Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello my loves, how are we all? Welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. As I am recording this, it is quite late yesterday evening. I am super behind this week. I feel like I am really trying to catch up with myself, which actually, you know, when I think about it, is probably a trauma response. I leave things until the last minute and then have to panic, panic, panic. So there you go, if you relate to that. We're not alone. I too am doing this. Hooray for procrastinating until the very last minute and then having to rush everything. Anyway, let's jump straight into the episode this week. What I wanted to talk about this week is the weaponization of single parenthood. Now, I'm hoping that I don't have to preface this by saying there are a bajillion single parents out there who do a phenomenal job and are not toxic parents. They do everything for their children, do not resent them, and would never dream of using their single parenthood as an excuse for their behaviour. That's just not what they're about. However, I have noticed that there seems to be a particular trend that when you are a toxic parent who also happens to be a single parent, there is a huge weaponization of that as an excuse and a way to guilt trip and invalidate your child, especially when you're talking to them in adulthood. Let me tell you what sparked this off this week. Earlier on this week on the old tickety talk, I came across a video of a parent whose adult children had chosen to cut contact with her and there was a lot of the usual invalidation, mocking and oh you've just decided you don't want me anymore, I'm not good enough for you and all this kind of thing. She went so far as to talk about how, oh yes, you obviously had it hard because, you know, we disciplined you and made you do chores. And let me just be perfectly clear here. I have never in all of my research, all of my speaking to people, all of my coaching, my own personal experience, come across anyone who has cut contact with a parent, voluntarily orphaned themselves because they were asked to do chores parentification, which we've talked about on previous episodes, where you are made responsible either physically or emotionally for the household, 
is not the same as being asked to do chores. And whilst I appreciate that in older generations that often was considered much more normal to parentify a child, we all heard of the latchkey kids of the Generation X, but there is a big difference between asking your kids to do the dishes and asking your children to bring up their siblings, to cook the dinner, to make sure the house is clean, all of these different things. They're all examples of parentification. In my experience, it was emotional parentification where I was made very much to be my mum's standing spouse, her therapist. I was the one who sorted out the finances around the house as I got a bit older, maybe 14, 15, up to, I don't know, 20 but would simultaneously be blamed if I made choices and then wanted to change them later on in life. Such as buying the KitchenAid. I'm never going to let go of that KitchenAid. If you haven't heard about the KitchenAid, then that is on another episode that you can find. I think it's the one where I talked with um, Katie McKenna and Helen Villers on episode 10 about narcissistic parents. But yeah, I'll never let go of the KitchenAid. Anyway, I digress. One of the things that this mum said, and I'm I'm going to read it out to you, she said, just remember that some of us, like myself, parented singly and removed ourselves from situations that we didn't work in. I took you to your first immunisation. I took you to your first day at school. I put you through high school. I put food on your table, all on my own. And there is so much more stuff that we had to do when we weren't okay. (sighs) And it's just the biggest sigh because I I can hear my own mum in that exact statement. And yes, we hear it from both single parents and parents who are in relationships, the everything I did for you. But there's so often a weaponization with toxic parents when they did have to do things as a single parent, be it because their partner had chosen to end the relationship due to their toxic behavior, be it because they had had a partner die, whatever it might be. In my case, it was a huge resentment over an absentee father who essentially had a ton of affairs and then decided, you know, I'm going to go off with this particular mistress and have a relationship with her and just, I'm done with that family. It's a tale as old as time, but there's so much bitterness and resentment from my own mum that then cascaded onto me. And I know I might run the risk of sounding like a broken record here because you might be thinking, yeah, well, that's really sad. You know, imagine your spouse of, well, she loved to tell me it was 17 years that they were together. And I get it, you know, that's a long time. It's a huge chunk of your life to spend with someone knowing that they are constantly betraying you. I get it. However, that wasn't my responsibility to shoulder that as a child. And like I say, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, we can have empathy for someone without enabling their toxic behavior. I can empathize with the fact that my mum had it really hard. She was cast off and then left to do all of these things. My dad was the primary earner. He earned a lot of money in comparison to what she was earning as a mid-level nurse. It was horrendous for her. However, that still doesn't excuse her behaviors. And I saw something similar when I opened up and talked about being left alone a lot during the summer holidays, this weaponization of being a single parent, of being the one who is shouldering all of the responsibility, which it is difficult. It is shouldering all of the responsibility. Nobody's denying that. But what I noticed was that people were quite quick to come forward and say, well, what was she meant to do with you? Poor single mum. And there's a real attitude towards single parents 
And I'd go so far as to say single mothers in particular, where you are almost completely unable to criticize them or call out their behavior because of how hard they have had it. And you're not invalidating how difficult their experiences might have been. As this woman said, she was the one that had to take you to school every day. There was nobody there saying, I'm ill today. Can you take me or can you take the kids? She was the one who had to take them to every immunization and hold them whilst that child maybe was kicking and crying. And then there was no one to talk to at the end of the day about how bloody hard that day had been. No one's invalidating that. But that doesn't give a parent the right or an excuse to be neglectful or to treat their child as a therapist or standing spouse or be toxic towards them. It doesn't give the parent the right to project their resentment at being left in that position when they never wanted to be in that position. Because let's be frank, no one has a child and goes into it thinking, well, this isn't going to work out, so I'm going to be single. Unless you've made the choice to have a child without a partner, in which case you will have made all of these assessments prior to that decision, it's going to take you by surprise. It's not a position you foresaw yourself being in. But that is not the child's responsibility to shoulder. Unfortunately, that is yours as a parent. And the majority of us are aware of that. We know that we can talk to our friends, we can talk to therapists about how hard and unfair single parenting can be. But when you have a toxic parent who is determined to project that resentment onto their child, a child that perhaps they never even wanted in the first place, but it was just a case of, well, this is what you do. You settle down, you get married, you have kids. That is so felt by the child. And as a society, we enable that parent to project that resentment. We enable that parent to weaponize that single parenthood rather than protecting the child. The majority of you, if you have grown up with a single parent, will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, people will turn to you and say, yeah, but think of everything she sacrificed for you. Think of all the things she did for you. Your dad was never in the picture. What a bastard he was. He just never showed up and he left her to do it all on her own. And? And that might sound quite callous, you know, and? And you're thinking, well obviously and their Harriet is that she had it really right yes she did that doesn't excuse the behavior that doesn't mean that you can create a standing spouse out of your child or that you can project that toxic behavior onto them because you've got no one else to project it onto And again, we see it in other scenarios such as having chronic illness with a toxic parent who will weaponize that as opposed to seeing it for what it is and saying, hey, look, this sucks and that's not your fault or your responsibility. It's used to guilt trip your adult children into all of the things I gave up for you. Don't you know I was in pain all the time? Don't you know that I did this? And none of those things, as difficult as they might be, are your child's responsibility or are something for your child to carry or to use to excuse your behaviour. Will families look different when you are a single parent? Will things have to bend and change? Absolutely. And the same goes for other circumstances that are so commonly weaponized. Will that be a different set of circumstances? Will that parent have to parent differently because of the parameters that aren't within their control? Absolutely. But does that then give them the right when their adult children come to them and say, hey, look, 
you used to do this all the time to me when I was a child and it, it really impacted me and how I felt to turn around and say, well, I was a single parent or I had chronic illness. It's the weaponization of things that other people, normal, healthy parents, would not dream of weaponizing, but just got on with and did their best with, that are so commonly weaponized by toxic parents. The fact that you are a single parent or that you have chronic illness has no bearing on how you treat your children and how you make them feel as individuals. And let's even look at that list that I read out there that this mum gave of, I took you to your first day at school, I gave you all your food, I did all your immunizations, all of these things that I had to do for you on my own were actually just fulfilling a legal obligation and a moral obligation to the responsibility that you have as a parent. It's bare minimum, absolute bare minimum. And so often we see toxic parents act like they want a high five for the bare minimum and it always amuses me because the same parents are the ones that would turn around and say they don't believe in participation trophies <laughs> and you're like but dude that's essentially what you're asking for you participated in parenting without going to jail because you didn't break the law and you now want me to be completely grateful make it make sense and what's even more interesting to me than just the way in which toxic parents will manipulate things like their single parenthood in order to guilt trip their adult children is that societal pressure not to criticise a single parent while simultaneously having a society that vilifies single parents. So if you are a single parent, well, there's so much judgment surrounding that, so many media assumptions made about you, who you are, how you behave, so much vilification, especially of single mums. However, if your adult child then comes forward and says, well, my mum was awful. Like the way she spoke about me, the way she behaved, she used to leave me on my own. Just using my own personal examples, she used to leave me on my own for hours upon hours while she was at work, sometimes to go out drinking and dancing with her friends on the evening. I guarantee you, you will be met with, well, the drinking and dancing thing isn't ideal, but I mean, it's hard being a single parent. She had to have some way to blow off steam and I bet you remember it wrong. I bet you weren't left for that long or I bet you had a babysitter. You just didn't really remember them or, well, when she had to go to work, what else did you want her to do? And these are all things that have been said to me as the child of a single mother who was incredibly toxic, who was neglectful and who was abusive. To give you another example, when it comes down to talking about my dad's behaviour, and make no mistakes here, I don't talk about my dad particularly often. It's something that I think perhaps would warrant an episode or <clears throat> 10 on its own. But my dad was very much an absentee father and very much a, well, my experience of him was very much a narcissistic personality who would slam the phone down on me when I talked about mum's boyfriends and not call me for weeks on end or who would love bomb with lots of gifts and things but then insist that they had to stay at his house or refuse to talk to me because I wasn't complying with coming to his house even though I had anxiety. He was a really toxic individual and that was my experience of him and his wife 
who interestingly is a psychiatrist, a highly qualified professional, was really abusive as well. I have often joked that I kind of got the trifecta of shit when it came to these three adults who none of them were prepared to look out for me. So I am under no illusion that my mum had a really hard time. I remember my stepmother ringing her drunk at Christmas. I remember my dad shouting down the phone. I remember my dad hitting her. I am under no illusion that she had a really hard time with my father and his wife. And now as an adult, I feel looking back at it with a different pair of eyes and having been given a little bit more information about my mum as a person, I believe they had a really hard time with her. But again, that does not change the fact that I was the child in the middle and should be able to acknowledge that my primary caregiver, who was my mum, despite being loaded with it all, despite being treated abysmally by my dad and his wife, was very much an abusive, toxic parent. And interestingly, when it comes to the way she used to talk about my dad, my mum used to really pride herself on making statements about how, well, I've never badmouthed your father and I've never tried to colour your view of him, while simultaneously having the nickname for my stepmother of Roland Rat, because her surname was Roland's when she was an unmarried woman. Like, <laughs> if we're not colouring views with that. I don't know what we're doing. And I remember sitting and listening and getting involved in conversations with my mum when I was really tiny. I can't have been more than six, seven. And listening to her talk to friends about the divorce proceedings, about the things that were going on, about the contact that she'd had with my dad. I remember being told your dad's meant to come today and him not showing up, which was a frequent occurrence. And I have to be honest and say, I now question how often it was him not turning up, which I do know happened. And also him not being given the correct information or a lie being made up about whether or not he did turn up. Now I know what I know about my mum. But at that particular time, the amount of times I'd be told, well, he's just not turned up. God, that's so awful, isn't it? The way he treats you. I'm so sorry, darling, for the way he treats you. And you might listen to that and think, well, yeah, I mean, how else did you want her to react? And that in itself would have been fine because that's really hurtful. It would then be that he's hurting you to hurt me. He's a really bad person. And and it's his wife that's stopping him from coming, I'll bet. Because, you know, she resents the fact that he had a whole other life before her and she's nothing but a homewrecker. Now that is definitely trying to colour a child's point of view. I mean, I, I really hated my stepmother and I never really gave her much of a chance. I'm aware of that. And I think some of her behaviours towards me that were abusive would not have been the way that they were had I ever been able to give her a chance. But I was four. And when I look back at the behaviours of these people, again, they are not acceptable. But society will say to you, oh, well, you know... Your mum was just really upset with how your dad behaved. And I can see that while simultaneously saying, but that's still not okay. That was still my dad. And yes, what she was saying may have actually been true, but you still don't say it to a child. You still don't put that on a child. 
And when we, in adulthood, express how damaging that was to us as children, like I didn't particularly have a relationship with my dad. I often viewed him, if I'm brutally honest, as a bit of a punch bag. If he got in touch with me, I would often take the opportunity to tell him exactly what I thought of him, how he'd abandoned me, how he'd hurt me. And again, I will note, as a very angry young teenager, all of these feelings were perfectly valid and they were very badly mishandled by everybody in Involved. So as an adult, I can forgive that inner child and inner teen for their sadness and their anger that they felt towards my dad because it was very valid. And the way that I acted is in keeping with a child who is deeply damaged and hurt. And I can empathise with myself as an adult looking back. But what I didn't have at the time was people who could empathise with me. And that's not excusing that behaviour. But as a child, even as a teenager, bearing in mind that my dad died when I was 16, so we are talking a younger teenager here, there is no way for me to have controlled those emotions and behaviours without the support of healthy and engaged adults. And I didn't have that. Interestingly, on the flip side, when I talk about my dad, society is very quick to condemn him. He fits very much with the deadbeat dad. He earned a lot of money but never paid maintenance. He spent the money, as I was told as a child, on IVF for his wife, which failed, which my mum was gleeful about, and would often use me to parrot the things that she was saying to me, to parrot back to them to be hurtful, which, in hindsight is again a sign of her toxicity and her behaviour and how awful she could be and something that I think is really sad because as a child I longed for siblings and I've mentioned before on the podcast that my dad and his wife actually adopted two children. I've never met them. I've never had anything to do with them beyond a very angry message from my dad's adopted daughter to tell me what an awful person I was because I was maligning him online and she'd known him for three years before he passed away so she didn't know the man that I knew she knew a very different version which is equally valid but if I express to anyone how awful it was that my dad was this absentee father and then went on and had the audacity to adopt two children I mean, let's ignore the fact that he died on them super young because that's just fucking rude when they've already been through all that trauma. I'm sorry, I shouldn't joke. I shouldn't, I shouldn't joke, but I do because how else are you expected to get through these things? But on a serious note, let's look at the fact that I'm there feeling incredibly abandoned as this child, rarely see him. When I do see him, it's toxic as hell. I've been filled with all of this animosity towards him. If I express in society that my dad then went on and had the cheek to adopt two children when he couldn't even be bothered to take care of his own, my mum's words exactly, society's quite accepting of that. And oh yeah, no, what a bastard. But flip it and say, well, my mum very much created an environment where I couldn't really meet those children because in order to keep those children safe, I don't feel like the angry teenager that I was would have been a suitable influence around them knowing that they'd experienced trauma and abuse. I like to think that I would have been nothing but kind. I longed for siblings, but I'll be entirely honest, put in the position that my dad and his wife were in, 
I don't think I would have wanted me to meet them either. And I don't think that that's unreasonable. Flip it that way and say, well, my mum's the one who's filled me with all of this negativity, all of this anger, all of this hate. And it's, well, your dad did kind of leave her in the lurch. So, you know, not really ideal to say these things around a child, but... And let me be entirely transparent here. As someone who considers themselves a cycle-breaking parent, there is no but. There is no but there. Those things should not be said around a child or to a child, even if they are true. Even if you are in a position where you are hurting so much and it is absolutely the fault of the other parent and the other party. As children, we are hardwired to want our parents, to please our parents, to be loved by our parents. So when we are put in a position where we are essentially being told you've got to pick which side you're on, it's so damaging and fractious to a child. Do not get me wrong, there have been occasions when I have looked at my own relationship and I've wanted, my natural instinct actually, would be to reach to my children and say, oh, look at this, the the way that your dad's treated me, that's awful, because that's how I was treated as a child. And to seek that validation from them, that they see that it's not me that's the bad guy and that they're going to back me up no matter what, it is wrong and it absolutely cannot be done. And I'm quite proud of the fact that despite that being my natural inclination, I have always managed to sit with that feeling and say, do I want my kids to feel the way that I felt when I was a child? Because it was so unhealthy and it was so damaging. And the answer is always no. Irrespective of what's gone on in my relationship, that is my responsibility to navigate as a parent. And as an adult, I've often said it's really difficult as a child of divorce. And I think quite a lot of us who have experienced toxic parents are also children of divorce and have also experienced this weaponization of single parenthood. And reflecting on the conversations that I've had with other people, often it is a string of unhealthy relationships, which is exactly what my mum had that culminate from this divorce and become the responsibility or the emotional responsibility of the child to pick up the pieces. But it's never our child's responsibility to pick up those pieces. It's never our child's responsibility to navigate divorce. And I find it quite difficult now, even now as an adult, with all of the training that I've done, all of the research that I've done, when people say that they are getting a divorce, not to instantly think, God, that's going to be awful for your kids. Why can't you just work it out? Which is ridiculous. In a lot of instances, getting a divorce is actually the healthiest thing that can be done. Separating and being able to navigate a relationship that looks more like a friendship as opposed to a relationship that is toxic and difficult and filled with resentment and anger is the better thing to do for your children. And yet that inner child in me still really struggles to see it as panning out any way other than really hate-fueled and fractious and toxic. 
So I have to catch myself in that before I make my own assumptions and project my own feelings surrounding that topic. I think there is so much more that could be said on this particular topic. If you are an adult child of divorced parents who have been incredibly toxic, then I would love to chat to you about that and get your perspective on it because it's something that I think is quite overlooked when we talk about estrangement. That is when parental alienation often comes into play. And I do feel that there was parental alienation with my dad. However, there was also neglect from my dad and abandonment. And it's a really nuanced topic that I think could do with being discussed more. In addition to that, if you have a story but you do not want to be on the podcast, then I would love for you to send it to me. You can either email me at harriet at tobyandrue.com or you can DM it to me at tobyandrue on Instagram or on TikTok. I would really love to hear your stories if you would be willing to have that read out on the podcast, but don't feel like coming on the podcast is something you would like to do. And again, as always, if you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please do get in touch with me. I would love to hear from you. One of the things that I am really passionate about doing with this podcast is hearing as many lived experiences from within the community as possible because one of the most powerful tools when it comes to healing and moving through these experiences and moving through no contact is to know that we are not alone and to have community healing and that is something that I believe very firmly this podcast does. Thank you again for listening guys. I will be back next week and hopefully a bit more organized. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.